Power and Responsibility. The Data Center Podcast is brought to you by Echelon Data Centers. Welcome to Power and Responsibility. I'm Jeremy Probert, and with me today on this journey is uh, Craig McKechnie. In the third decade of the 21st century, uh, data centers are essential infrastructure. And that's because we're reliant on 5G, on our mobile devices, on e-commerce, on the internet. Uh, and we're becoming more reliant, of course, on things like artificial intelligence uh, and the Internet of Things. Um, in 2019, we were told that the dataverse, which is the amount of data that is uh, produced each year, would increase by about five times uh, by 2025 to a total of 175 zettabytes. Now, to give you an idea of what 175 zettabytes look like, 175 zettabytes is the amount of data uh, necessary for each man, woman, and child on the planet to take 400 selfies a day. Now, all that data has got to be stored somewhere, and that somewhere is data center infrastructure. The inconvenient truth, of course, is that data centers use a lot of power, and therefore they're complicit in the carbon emissions associated with the generation of that power. Data center facilities also generate a lot of heat and employing traditional cooling methods, it means they consume a lot of water. The industry gets criticized for not giving a great deal back. This is in terms of employment uh, and also an economic benefit. There are, however, two sides to every story. The data center sector has an increasing and wide ranging focus on the issue of sustainability and responsibility. And that's both on social and environmental levels. So can data centers become part of the climate solution? Uh, how quickly can technology change the way their power is generated and consumed? Uh, in this series of podcasts, we'll be talking about some of the key issues in this debate. We'll be joined by a selection of expert guests to discuss renewable power generation and supply, alternative energy sources, immersion cooling, energy storage initiatives, and the sustainable investment strategies to fund it all. So today we're talking about Immersion cooling. Uh, it's a tech that seems to have been around for quite some time, uh, but it's only now, really, that uh, its profile is being raised. Of course, that's being helped by um, companies like Microsoft, who are making a lot of noise at the moment about using immersion cooling techniques that were developed for the cryptocurrency mining industry. And let's face it, if immersion cooling can cool the crypto computers, then what can't it do? Uh, today, we're joined by Aidan Kalali, who is regional director uh, UK and Ireland, for Submare, who are a leader uh, in the immersion cooling field. Uh, Aidan, welcome. Um, perhaps you'd like to tell us a bit about yourself um, and Submare and its technology. Absolutely. Thanks, Jeremy. Uh, thanks for having me. Um, yeah, so, uh, well, I've been in this IT business quite a long time, I guess. I've seen the, uh, the ebbs and flows of technology as it's, as it's moved through the, through the decades. And I think... Um, yeah, with data centers, we're at one of those inflection points where uh, it's time for uh, a smarter, better way of doing things. And so at Submar, we've set that challenge out really to, to you know, help design the next generation of data centers, which will be more energy efficient uh, and more sustainable and green, I guess, for want of a better word. So traditionally, the way of actually cooling a data center is using air and, and water. Um, quite a lot of water, in fact. Uh, 
So what happens is air is brought into uh, the, the, the center and it's actually passed over the computer servers, which throw off the heat. And then that, that <clears throat> through various uh, pipe works and chillers, etc., that water is then uh, evaporated and passed out into the atmosphere. So, um, yeah, they don't really tick the box in terms of sustainability from that point of view. Also, if you can imagine, this is a very noisy place to be with lots of fans consuming lots of electricity. And in fact, something like 40% of the cost of running a data center are really around cooling the technology that's in it. So it's, it's clear that there needs to be a, you know, a more sustainable, better approach to doing this as, as we move forward. And I guess one of the big challenges we have um, as well is, is that if you look at the, the, growth, uh, the growth in uh, computing power, so particularly around things like artificial intelligence, um, HPC, high performance computing, the current generation of computer servers that are being delivered now actually generate so much heat that it's really not practical to try and cool them with air anymore. So it's not somebody up there saying, yeah, you know, this is a great idea. This is a, this is a route that um, companies are, are being forced down to. And as you alluded, Microsoft and Amazon and all the hyperscalers are actually looking at uh, at this technology and in, in, in different ways of using it. So what is it? Well, I guess if you look, as I said, into an existing data center, you'll see rows and rows and rows of computers sitting in racks and a lot of noise and fans, as I said. What we actually propose is a, a simpler, more elegant solution, which is using, um, if you can imagine a fridge freezer full of fluid, uh, and that's a dielectric of fluid, which means it doesn't conduct electricity. Uh, you then place the computer servers into this tank um, and there's a pump which circulates the fluid around the servers and actually draws the heat away from them. So why is this more efficient? Well, air does not really um, conduct heat, whereas uh, liquid does. So we can recapture 90% of the heat from those servers and we can actually reuse that. But more importantly, we can actually pack a much, much greater density of computing power into, such, into a much smaller space. So that means that the generation, next generation of data centers to deliver the same bang for the buck will not need to be nearly as large as the ones we're building today. This technology has been around for a while, but it seems to me that it's only now we're talking about it. Um, it, it has been around, yeah. I mean, if you're familiar with the, the supercomputers of the past craze and things like that, that's that's how they were, they, they were cooled. Um, and I guess, yeah, the traditional computing environment was um, was uh, not so demanding um, in terms of, of power, etc. So it was it was quite feasible to cool this with air, and that's a technology that's probably been used for the last 30, 40 years. But as I said, we're now moving into a different phase in computing with the um, with the growth of things like artificial intelligence. With um, you know, every time somebody interacts with a data center, which typically we do 250 times a day, um, that generates a transaction which generates a piece of heat. So at some point, you know, you reach a, reach a stage where you have to look at doing this in a, in a different way. Now, that's not to say that the whole industry is suddenly going to change from air cooling to liquid cooling. That, that's, that's not going to happen. But what we are seeing is a more hybrid approach where the two technologies will coexist with each other in existing facilities. And that's what I would call the short to medium uh, approach to this. But we're also working with data center designers on designing the next generation of data centers, which will use nothing but immersion cooling. And so what, 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 what I'm hearing, I think, is that, um, uh, and I'd like to go on to the whole hybrid 
model uh, in a moment. But what I'm hearing is that the uh, things that are driving the growth of the dataverse, which is artificial intelligence, which is the Internet of Things, and all this wonderful stuff that um, that people are are talking about now, driverless cars and smart buildings and you know smart motorways and things like all of this really won't be able to happen unless we have this immersion cooling solution. Well, that, that's exactly it. And I guess, you know, um, you know, we're, we're not the only people doing this. Um, there, there's, there's, there's quite an active marketplace, I think, uh, in this technology now. Um, we would argue that, you know, ours is probably the best. A lot of this comes down to the, um, the fluid that you're actually using. Um, how conductive that is. Um, I mean, we actually have our own patented um, fluid for doing this, uh, which is, you know, very green, etc. You can actually drink it if you want to. Um, you know, it's got a lifespan of 15 years. But, you know, the, the, the spin-off benefits from this are, are not just, um, you know, the sustainability credentials. This is also a much cheaper way of doing cooling. If you look at the capital expenditure on the equipment, you look at the reduction in energy costs because it doesn't take nearly as much power. Imagine you're just powering a circulating pump in a tank. Um, you know, the, the, the actual total cost of ownership versus air is dramatic. So so what sort of savings are you looking at there? What kind of, uh, what are the typical figures for, for someone switching? Well, typically in terms of power reduction, you're probably looking at about, you know, uh, anything up to 50% uh, in, in power reduction, which is significant. But you, there's a whole bunch of things you've got to factor into this, Craig. First of all is if you were building a new data center, A, you've got to acquire the land, B, you've got to build the facility. So what we're saying is that we can actually deliver the same computing power in a facility that's one third the size of a traditional data center. So you can either have something smaller or you can have three times as much capacity. Exactly. Yeah. Three times more bang for your buck. So that's clearly one one area where there's a there's a huge cost saving. But also, if you look at the computers themselves, the servers, um, because they're sitting in a, in a liquid, it's a far safer place for them to be. Um, so the meantime between failures of this equipment extrapolates massively. So. You, your maintenance costs drop dramatically, and also you actually get more computing power out of these servers by, by, doing, by doing this as well. Also, it's a pretty much a lights out operation. So from a maintenance and labor point of view, you know, again, there's, there's, there's savings to be had there. We're actually working on the next generation of robotics, which will actually do the maintenance room, do the things like removing servers and replacing them automatically. So if you can imagine, this would be a, a place that would be like nearly like a, a church, I suppose, a very quiet, lights-out type operation where everything just hums in the background. One, one of the big growths we're going to see in, in, in technology in the next year, years come is uh, what we call edge computing. And this is essentially bringing smaller data centers to things like mobile phone masts, to uh, you know, buildings and cities, etc., where the latency, the connection time between your mobile phone and and uh, and a mini data center is actually reduced. So, uh, and and this is going to be absolutely key for the growth of technologies like five G and all of all of the other things that that come with that. So, what what can people expect to see alongside mobile phone masks? Uh, yeah, well, if you look at the website, you'll see a product called the Micropod, uh, and that's exactly what that's designed to do. Um, so. It can sit on top of a mobile phone tower, and uh, in fact, there's some trials actually being run run with that right now in the Middle East, or pretty much anywhere that you've got connectivity and um, and power. 
Um, but again, they don't consume a lot uh, of power. And these, these essentially, once you have a, a network of these, they can basically deliver the, the connectivity that you require in urban areas or, or, or anywhere you want, really. One of the attractions uh, with Ireland for data centres is the climate. In terms of how these are used, is it the same technology throughout the world or does it adapt according to different climates? Um, it's exactly the same no matter where you are, but we um, we have a very clever calculator that works out what the uh, energy savings would be in each different place that you put it based on the um, you know the geographical location and also the, the climate. Is this something that you see as, as a global market, but are you in particular looking to move into uh, areas where you can see, like, for example, you are you looking towards Africa, where particularly in somewhere like East Africa, you've got fast growth in tech technology and tech companies. Do you see that as a place for growth for Submer? Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, we're, we're present in pretty much every geography. So, you know, the Middle East, um, um, Africa, Asia Pacific, um, obviously the US, obviously, which is, is, is growing growing very quickly um but yeah and i think we've what you'll see is uh, different solutions as well that are probably more applicable to certain markets so we just announced a product recently called the megapod which is essentially a self-contained data center in a shipping container so this could be shipped to places where you have power and connectivity but you know want to have a rapid computing deployment so you can have one of these up and running you know in a matter of weeks whereas doing a traditional data center build will take, well, as long as, as a traditional data center build will take. And also, I mean, this is sort of technology is finding its way into places like universities, research centers, any place where people are running out of space but need computing power. So I think that has probably been the problem, I guess, with the traditional data center industry is that, you know, everything must go to that building, whereas the new way of doing things is going to bring that you bring compute power to where it's needed. We're still going to need the out-of-town large data centers, though, because I guess all the data that's produced by these localized, these pods, then goes somewhere else. Well, there's, there's no escaping the fact that you're going to see more and more data centers. And in fact, we probably haven't even scratched the surface of it yet. Um, I see Microsoft are planning to build another 100. It's going to be something we're going to see more and more of. But I guess in Ireland, some, there has been a quite a negative perception around data centers and uh, in some quarters, particularly around things like the amount of power that they use, etc. Uh, a lot of it, I have to say, probably misinformed, um, because even though we're proposing a, a shift in technology, I think the data center industry itself has made massive strides over the last few years, even with the technology it currently uses, you know, in becoming more sustainable and, and in reducing um, power consumption. But like I say, they're not going to go away. So what we need to look at is 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 ways of making making them more, uh, I don't know, more sustainable or... Sustainable, eco-friendly. Which brings me to um, the point, just going back to what you were saying about hybrid solutions, because obviously there are people out there uh, with data centers already built, um, but they are going to reach the same uh, barriers that uh, new builds will have, which is the density of compute contained within them. So you can retrofit liquid cooling solutions? Uh, yeah, for sure. I mean, we're, we're talking to a number of, of colos, as they're called, um, you know, about exactly that. So, you know, some of them have got actually spare capacity or space within that building. So they can section off an area of that and uh, use that for, for immersion cooling. You know, and we can connect to the existing infrastructure in there quite easily. 
But I think if you look at, you know, a lot of the companies now are hedging their bets. So they will build out maybe half a data center using existing technology, but then leave that space free for what's to come. And to be honest, I mean, the hyperscalers like Microsoft and Amazon and these guys will will do their own thing in terms of technology and research. But the average data center owner has no incentive to switch technology unless the customers that he's he's servicing uh, actually demand that. And this is what we're starting to see is, is that, you know, a company can place all its computing infrastructure into somebody else's data center, but they're still responsible for the carbon footprint that that company actually generates. So from their perspective, you know, they need to mean, uh, need to be convinced that where it's going is, is, is operating in the most sustainable, efficient way as well. So there's a couple of factors that are going to start to play into this, um, particularly with the EU directives coming down the line in terms of, you know, how companies actually do manage that footprint. How, how much of it will lie with the companies and how much will lie with regulation? Is it going to be a combination of both? Yeah, it's going to be carrot and stick, I guess, Craig, you know, to a degree. But I think what's driving the market right now, though, is, and it's probably the right way, is that, well, here we have a problem. We have a huge amount of computing power required here, but traditional cooling technology doesn't really seem to work in this. Okay, we switch to immersion. So if you look at most of the, like we've probably got about, I don't know, across Europe, four or five hundred of these working, you'll see that they're in places like, um, you know, the Barcelona supercomputer. They're in CERN, you know, the Hadron Collider project, they're Airbus. So it's all um, organizations up to now that are using a lot of computing power. And this is where the technology has been proven, bedded down, etc. But now it's it's available mainstream for pretty much anybody who wants to use it. You know, we just we will just ship the tank to wherever, and uh, you know you can go and see it. In fact, actually, there's one one has just gone into the Dell Innovation Center down in Limerick. So as soon as we get past this COVID thing, uh, people can actually go down and have a look at it. And so when we're looking at um, we're looking at edge computing, we're looking at five G, uh, we're looking at latency. What does this mean for the punter? Well, I mean, what it means is is that uh, to speed all of this up, um, you know, requires more computing power, and then you're back to the situation again of how do you cool that? I mean, in terms of the technology itself, it's invisible to 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 the normal person. I mean, like I said earlier on, you know, we probably dip in and out of a data center two hundred and fifty or more times a day, but you know, people seem to forget this while they're you know running down data centers. They don't realize that their entire world is actually run by them. But yeah, like like any advance in technology, you'll get it. it ultimately, it'll be faster and cheaper. You know, that's the way it always has been in this industry. Immersion cooling, we talked about how it uh, has an effect, an effect on power usage. And we've talked about how it, an effect, how, how it has an effect on the size, potentially, of data centers in the future, or indeed the amount of compute that a data center can, can manage. Uh, you also talked about water. Now, there's a great statistic about a data center using two two Olympic sized swimming pools worth of fresh water every every two days, I think. Every yeah, two days, I think. Yeah. 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 Um, now, obviously, that's an enormous drain and potentially one that is not being talked about as much as energy and impact on the environment. So, how does the immersion cooling solution affect that? Well, yeah, that's a good point, and I think maybe it's because we live in Ireland, and uh, you know, there's a lot of water a lot of water here so we don't see it as a problem but you know what a lot of people don't know is is that there's actually um, on the nasdaq there's actually a ticker uh, called h2o something or other 
which is water uh, actually being traded on the, on the stock exchange. And, you know, the, I've seen a report recently where they reckon within 10 years there's going to be a 53% delta between available drinking water worldwide and, and um, the requirement for it. So in some ways, I think we're, we're way ahead in terms of doing things like, you know, power generation using wind and solar and various other technologies. And we're probably way ahead in terms of using things like hydrogen power for, for backup instead of diesel generators and things like that. But, you know, one area we're certainly an awful lot to do is, is in, the, in the use of water. So anyway, just to answer your question, yeah, so immersion, the difference there is obviously everything's enclosed in a tank of fluid, so it's a closed-loop system. So we're not actually using any water. What we're doing is actually uh, passing that heat uh, from the fluid via heat exchanger uh, into water, and that water then carries that heat, and that can be used. Unfortunately, at the moment, it's, it's wasted because most of these data centers don't have the ability to reuse it. But you will see more and more projects across Europe where it, the heat is being captured and reused for, you know, like I said, district heating or agricultural purposes or whatever. And is, 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 is that what you think? I mean, I was, I was going to ask the question. I mean, basically, having talked about this, it seems, if I can coin a phrase, it seems a no-brainer, really. Hmm. Uh, and yet, there doesn't appear to be a rush to adopt this. No. Um, and I'm just wondering, what what is it? Is it legislative, political, cost? What? I think it's, it's a combination of, of inertia, probably, an industry that's probably pretty well entrenched in, in doing things the, the traditional way. I mean, data center designers and engineers, they all tend to basically follow the line of least resistance, I guess. It's an industry that's built up around key companies, key technologies, etc. But that will change, you know. I think when people ask me this question, I always think of Jeremy Clarkson on Top Gear saying that, uh, you know, electric cars would never work in our lifetimes. I see yesterday Huawei have now just introduced an electric car and there's no manufacturer anywhere in the world that's not actually doing electric. And that's in the space of less than 10 years, probably. What you're seeing now is, is that the actual computer manufacturers themselves are now developing, you know, immersion specific versions of their products. So... Now, when you see Dell and Lenovo and Fujitsu and all of these industry uh, leaders starting to to look at this, you know that this they know that the next technology shift is coming and they're gearing up for that. But going back slightly to the Irish market, particularly, um, and there was an article in the in the Irish Examiner recently. Uh, I hate to say it, but yet another one of those articles where there was a lot of talk, anti data center talk, not based on a great deal of knowledge. Um, so if, if you had a platform to sort of talk uh, about data and to counter some of those myths, uh, what would you say? Data centers are not going to go away. We use them all every day. In fact, there's going to be more and more of them. So rather than sort of fighting some sort of invisible enemy, really, I think it's, it's, it needs to have a sensible discussion about where these are placed, how they are powered, how they are cooled, what, what is the whole sustainability footprint around these and... and, and but in, in, in terms of getting a, a, a picture of the shift towards immersion cooling, what sort of growth has Submare experienced in recent years and uh, what kind of growth are you projecting? We're probably doubling year on year, um, but that will change um, by a dramatic percentage over the next two or three years. So, yeah, it's it's getting bigger and bigger. And I mean, I guess in the earlier days of this, um, people were taking tanks or pods, testing them out, taking old servers, putting them in, more proof of concept type of things. 
Whereas now we're looking at data center builds, which will involve hundreds of these being deployed over over a period of time. So uh, this industry is maturing very, very rapidly. I've been in the tech business 40 years. I don't mostly in software, etc. I, I don't think I've seen anything move as quickly as this is at the moment. Aidan, thanks very much for uh, telling us all about Submare, telling us all about the technology. Great to get the insight from you into the direction that this technology is going and how it's being adopted across data centers. And thanks very much for joining us on Power and Responsibility. Power and Responsibility. The Data Center Podcast is brought to you by Echelon Data Centers a company delivering large-scale data center assets that are more cleanly and sustainably powered now, moving towards 100% renewable green energy in the future. Echelon currently has six facilities under development in Ireland and the UK, with a potential combined capacity of around 500 megawatts. (laughs) 